What up, Sea of Red? You're listening to Into the Flames, a Calgary Flames fan podcast. Your home for all things Flames and updates around the NHL. With your hosts, Raja Burry and Noah Eppleston. Into the Flames, new episodes every Sunday. Hey, what's up, guys? Today we're going to be giving you a little bit of a Penticton rundown, talk about last night's Young Stars Classic game, and I guess players to watch, you know, if you're going to tune in this weekend. And we're going to just break this down for you real quick. So, Khaled, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good, boys. How's it going? Thanks so much for having me on. Going good. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. Glad to see your uh, your side uh, things, the way you look at prospects and, and the game. Hey, you know what? I'm always happy to chat prospects. It's my uh, my favorite part of the Flames world, so I'm I'm really happy to have you on. Awesome. <laughs> what was like the biggest takeaway for you last night watching this debut game, other than the fact that it was a debut game? Yeah, you know what? It's it's hard to put too much stock into like the holistic aspects of the game in terms of like play and you know how they're able to execute. Um, I think what you really want to take away is just kind of who stood out, who didn't stand out, um, who you know who who was playing the game well in spite of the system as being, you know, very much a, a lesson and very much a, a thing in progress. Uh, the one player that really stood out to me throughout the game was Dustin Wolf. Um, he, you know, the flames were good at a lot of things in that game, but they were really bad on defense, especially in giving up chances um, and in giving up penalty. They took entirely too many penalties in that game. And that's, you know, it's the first game of the, of the season. Um, and it's all players who play in different systems. And you get that. Um, but on the number of two-on-one chances and three-on-one chances and just straight breakaways, Wolf really, really stood tall, and I think that was enormous to see. Um, I, I think you kind of look at the game and you kind of say, it is what it is. It's over. The Flames lost. It's fine. It's it's a preseason game, um, but there were a lot of really, really good positives from it. Yeah, I, I like I wasn't able to catch the game, right? But I did see a couple clips of some big saves that Wolf made. And that, that score looked like it could have been a lot different if Wolf was not between those pipes. Oh yeah. And you know what, you gotta give credit to the the goalie on the other side for uh for the Canucks because he really, really stood tall and he, you know, he deserved every bit of that shutout. Um, but you know, it could very well have been a six five or a seven six or a seven four, like with uh, those two goalies in net. Right. Mm-hmm. I guess like the top two lines I would say really stood out like Peltier, Schwint, Dewar, and then Emilio Pedersen, Connor Zeri, Adam Klapka, Noah Nice Boy. Um, top six was unreal, I think, yesterday, even though they weren't able to score. They were really good at generating, I would say. No, absolutely. A hundred percent you nailed it. You know, it's it's really interesting because if you look at that top six, you've got a couple of guys who played in Stockton for a few years and played like, you know, who are much older. Like you've got Walker Dewar who's played college and you've got Emilio Peterson who's been, um, Emilio Peterson, pardon me, who's been in the system for a couple of years now. And then you've got a couple of younger guys in there who played in, um, in, uh, in Stockton for a year, like in Zeri and in, and in uh, Peltier. And then you've got Adam Plaka who just kind of came out of nowhere there. Um, and you've got Cole Schwint who's uh, like a one year, uh, for, like finished up his first year. Um, so you got kind of a really weird mix, but every one of them stood out kind of in a different way. Um, you saw Peltier playing a really strong two-way game. And the thing that I loved about his game was he was very fiery all the way through. He was right in the middle of the action. He was, you know, he was pushing guys around in front of the net, uh, pushing guys after the whistle. Like he was not giving up. And he's not a big dude. Like Adam Plapka is enormous, and you can tell that he's enormous on the ice, but uh but Peltier plays huge. Um I was shocked by how good um, 
Klaka's skating is. Being a huge guy, you know, you kind of expect him that that's always the weak area, like the Milan Lucic problem, just being huge and just running through guys and not having, you know, not being the best skater on the ice. But he's phenomenal on his feet. Um, he he was by far one of the most impressive players on the ice. And I know you guys, he's your boy, and I know you guys love him. And, you know, he is excellent. He played such a good game. Um, that top six was like, you know, I think uh, the one player in there that stood out to me um, for all the right reasons was Connor Zeri. He had a really rough year last season with the injury and just like not like coming back at the wrong time and like being the step behind the whole play and behind the whole team. Um, and, you know, that's kind of par for the course when you're away from for so long um, and coming into a team that's already got an established culture and an established uh, system and you're kind of learning the whole thing. Uh, but he was like, he was good. He was really good. And it's like showing promises to like why he was a first round pick. Um, I think it's really easy to write him off after a really rough season, but he showed you why he, uh, why he doesn't deserve that. Uh, Emilia Pedersen was really interesting. His skating is phenomenal. His hands are phenomenal. It was that final decision that kept throwing me off. He'd get right up there. He'd get wide open. He'd beat a defender, be right there. And then that last, uh, last move where it's like, you know, it was a pass or a shot. Always felt like the wrong decision, um, and for me, that just it was just a little thing that ground my gears. Where I was, you know, waiting for him to really explode, and it just never happened. You know, don't take too much stock in that. It's the first game, uh, but that'll come with time. I think it's just you know getting used to where his where his teammates are relative to where they were last year in Stockton. Um, I think that'll change. I like Coleswind as well. He was good. He was reliable. He was a good, solid, played a good two way game. Really good offensively. Good playmaker. Um, and Walker Dewar is really interesting to me. He's one of those players who like was very good to start the season last year and really just didn't show that he deserved much more than that throughout the season last year. Um, as like when he was down in Stockton, um, he went from being, wow, he deserves a call up to being, he's okay. He's probably an NHL guy, but he showed a little bit more of that, uh, of that promise in the preseason. I think the, uh, in the preseason game last night, rather in Penticton. And I, I really hope he deserves he gets a shot because you know you always want to you always want to root for a guy who seems like a good person who deserves a shot. Talking about Pedersen there, um, like he's a prospect that isn't well like well known here in Calgary. He's one of the ones under the radar. So it's nice to hear that he was in those chances uh, last night. Obviously, first game of the season, like you said, um, not everything's going to click right away. But the, as long as he's getting to those spots, the goals, the assists, the points, they're going to come with just getting to the right area of the ice. 100%. You know, he's a very flashy player, and he he really shines in that in those moments, like off, very gifted offensively, um, and has been ever since he was in the NCAA with Denver. Like, he's a really, really good prospect. Um, it's always been just a challenge of, like, elevating his game from, like, here to that next level. Um, and taking the step kind of that Matthew Phillips did, where he went from a half-point-per-game guy in the AHL who really stood out in junior to being a point per game guy in the, in the AHL and, you know, challenging for a spot. Um, I hope that's, I hope that's his goal for this year is to really take that jump in his game. And Raja, I I know you were talking about Klapka uh, after the first period yesterday, you were talking to me about it. Do you just want to talk about uh, like what you saw out of him last night? Because you were pretty hyped on him. Everything. He's got very quick hands for someone of that size. Like Khaled alluded to his skating was, I think mind blowing to me, you know, during development camp, you were telling me that, you know, Klapka is one of the top guys there. So to me, I was like, okay, that's awesome. But I want to see it, you know, firsthand. And we had him on and he made the joke of being like, yeah, I'm big, but like, I'm still 
I'm still someone who can contribute in the other facets of the game in terms of actually playing the game. Like I can score, I can, I have hands, like all that sort of thing. And he tried, I guess, in a levitating manner, like, you know, preaching that. Could he actually be a call up during like this season? Right. It's a genuine question, I think, because you look at his size. We know Daryl Sutter loves boys like that. Right-handed shot organizationally. That's like, the crown jewel. I don't know. Like I was very impressed with Klapka last night. I, I mean, I don't think I'll be able to get to watch the game tonight, but I'll probably watch on Monday. And I would really like to see, I guess, Emilio Patterson, Zari and Klapka together throughout this weekend, like tonight and on Monday. And what role was Klapka playing in? Was he like, uh, like down along the boards kind of, Board play, was he out in front of the net or were they looking for him as a shot? He had a decent net front presence in the first. He actually had a really nice high danger chance. Um, and I, I would say like the opening seven minutes of the game, I would honest to God thought he was going to put that five hole. But um, to me, he just, he was all over the place. I, I, I really liked his game last night though. No, Raja, you nailed it, man. That was exactly what I was going to say. He, he did a little bit of everything uh, on the power play. He was very much the net front presence and, you know, when you're six, seven, and 200 and change, like, you know, that's exactly yeah. where you should be. But what was cool about him is, like, on the rush and on the breakouts, he was the guy leading the breakout. And, you know, you don't typically see that in a guy of his size. Uh, but his ability to evade defenders through the neutral zone, just with his skating and with his hands, was exceptional. Uh, he showed a lot of that at dev camp as well in the scrimmage. And I was pleasantly surprised by, by how good he was at that. Um, he is very, very good. Like I, I think Russia you nailed it. Like there's a good chance that he could see some time in the NHL this year if he continues to develop. The problem I think with with that is you look at what the pecking order is towards the NHL, and you say, how does he get ahead of a guy like Adam Rzichka when and if he ever signs, which I think he will. Uh, a guy like Matthew Phillips, a guy like Walker Dewar, a guy like Cole Schwinn, a guy like Jacob Peltier, and yeah, he's definitely a right-handed shot, um, and he definitely brings something different. But you know, is he? Is he ahead of a guy like Martin Pospisil? It was a big, a big guy, fiery guy, um, strong net front presence, probably becomes an energy fourth line guy um, at the top end. Um, I don't know. Uh, but you know, the nice thing is he's in the system. He's going to keep developing. And if it's not this year, it's probably next year. Exactly. And that's, that's the nice thing that I am really going to enjoy now is having our AHL team here in Calgary. We're going to be able to like, firsthand be able to see those battles of who's climbing up the ranks to get to the NHL and who's not hitting the not hitting the quota right so I'm really excited to see all these guys battle it out in the AHL I feel like it's going to bring a lot more competition to making this NHL team 100% yeah 100% it's going to be fun to have them here and you know what just in terms of them being around the team around the big team and the the coaches and the management being able to see them way more often than having to Jack down to Stockton is, is a huge, huge factor. I just want to quickly bring up the Jerome McGinley trade tree. We ended up with Morgan Klimchuk with that first round pick, who is now retired. And Morgan Klimchuk was dealt for Andrew Nielsen a few years ago. Obviously, Andrew Nielsen is no longer a part of our organization, but he scored on us last night, so that was nice. To me, it's like, yeah, you don't take much stock into stuff like that, but when you think about way back when and revisit that again, the trade and how you could make that connection. It's just like, <sighs> you know, I, I definitely feel that, right? Like, you know, the, the Iggy trade was such a, you know, it's one of those trades that you always remember where you were when it happened. 
and you always remember that moment because it was such a huge part of the the flames lore and the flames saga right um in the same way that for the next generation it'll be the Gaudreau and Kachuk trades right in five or ten years people will be like oh where were you when Gaudreau was traded where were you when Kachuk was traded right like where were you when sorry when Gaudreau signed with uh, Columbus rather um how do you remember those moments right it's the same sort of saga um but I think the I think the one lesson that came out of that in the trade and the picks that became just nothing is how much better this team has gotten at drafting since then, especially under Treleving. Absolutely. Uh, man, there are some really, really, really sneaky good picks in this organization. Um, and I think the the ones that really surprised me are in defense. Um, and my personal, the one that really stood out last night was Jeremy Poirier. Because, my God, he has by far... Probably the best, like, you know, it's always been a running joke that Jeremy Poirier as a defenseman has the best hands in this organization. And you see it time and time again, just these little moments where he's just beating a defenseman and like, it's nothing. It doesn't, it's not even like a wow. It's just like, yeah, he did it again and he did it again. And he's just, he's so good with his hands. It gave me Shillington vibes last night a little bit. Shillington vibes for sure, but better defensively. Mm-hmm. That uh, the one that he got called on in the, I think it was the second period where he got called on a penalty was very much not a penalty. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just a strong defensive play. And, you know, two years ago when you'd watch him in junior, it, like you just missed that play. He'd be just up the ice somewhere, uh, right. right in front of the net trying to get a goal. And it just, you don't see that anymore. And you love it. You love to see how much better he's gotten on defense and how much more he's grown as a prospect. Absolutely. And that that's what he needed to do, right? Like, his offensive game has always been there since the time he was in junior. He was supposed to be in the a first round pick, right? Um, that's where he was projected to go, at least. Um, slid to the third round because of his defensive game. But yeah, like you've said, it really seems like he's taken the last couple of years to truly develop that defensive game. And as long as that keeps getting stronger, there's not much that's going to slow him down, I don't think. Yeah, 100%. You know, he's the prospect that I think will probably really impressed at uh, at preseason. It'll be a really tough call to cut for the Flames. I think he's probably in there as the Flames' eighth, ninth, or tenth best defenseman, and it's he's a rookie uh, right now. Like, you know, you probably put him behind the top six. You definitely put him behind Connor Mackey. Uh, yeah. You probably put him behind Yusuf Alamaki. And then, you know, he's probably right up there. He's better than guys like Ilya Solovyov. He's probably better than guys like Jan Kuznetsov. And the other guys, the Flames squad, like Nick Maloche, um, like you just had him into that conversation of, you know, if there's a couple of injuries, maybe he gets himself a call up this year because he's just that good. And I mean, you mentioned Val Mackey right now. What do you think his value is at this stage in the game? Like we, there is an abundance in D, right? We've got 10 guys signed on one-way deals, incoming Michael Stone contract, most likely. <laughs> um, so make that 11. So something's got to give there or else, I mean, what's going to happen here? Are we just going to lose Val Mackey on waivers and then say so that's the wrap up to that saga? You know, that'd be a really awful way to end things. The, the other thing is, you know, I every team has their guy who's kind of like a Val Mackey, a defenseman who's probably an AHL guy right now, but could be an NHL guy down the road. I, mm-hmm. I struggle to see a team picking him on waivers right now. Um, and that's probably a bad sign for his value. Barring Valamaki taking a humongous step forward this year, I don't know what he becomes and where this organization takes him. You know, he's going to the last year of his contract um, on his two-way deal. Uh, they're paying him one and a half million bucks. Um, and it becomes a question of, you know, 
okay, like this is great. You were a first round pick, but you need to show it. You need to show us what you're worth. And it's it's honestly a shame that he just hasn't of late. Uh, Valimaki is a really competitive guy. He's a really, really fiery guy. And he's one of the guys who like really like wants to be a power play quarterback, wants to be a top pairing guy in the NHL. Like that's always been the play. Um, really, really fiery competitive guy. And you just want to see more of that. And I feel like sending him down to Stockton was a big, it was a big ego thing for him. Uh, but I'd love to see him own the fact that he was a first round pick, own the fact that he has a ton of ability and a ton of potential and come into camp and really show the flames that they need him. I want to see him earn that sixth or seventh spot in the flames. Like I, I'd love to see that because it would only make this team so much better. And then you become, and then it becomes a whole other question of, well, you got six really good defensemen who becomes, who, who loses their spot. Is it Val Mackey who just is, good enough to be in the NHL but not here? Or is it somebody else? The Flames said, look, it's surplus to requirements. Is it Chillington or, or Zadorov? right? Like, it becomes a really interesting question because Valimaki was a highly touted prospect. He was, like, among the best defensive prospects in his draft year and just hasn't shown it of late, but really killed it uh, a couple of years ago when he was in, uh, when he was in Finland, uh, had moments where he was really good in the NHL, um, wasn't really good last season at all, but you know what? I'd love to see a comeback story. You know, we all love an underdog, right? So I'd love to see him uh, really grow this year. Yeah, I'd say for his sake and for the organization's sake, like I would want to see that. Just feels like it could be a really sad ending if something doesn't change soon. After what happened, you know, going watching guys like Bennett it come and go and all that, like I just don't want the same storyline over and over of, oh, another missed first round pick. You know what I mean? 100%. You know, it's, uh, it's hard to see those stories, right? Like, and you know, I'm still a, I'm still a big believer that if you put a player with other good players, they're going to look better than if you put them on the fourth line. That doesn't make that player necessarily good. Um, I don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not counting my chickens here, but I, you know, I think I don't think teams are going to play Valenaki in a top or a second pairing line or a second pairing rule just to see what they've got in him, um, barring a team that's very very weak defensively. But I, I just, you know, for his sake, I want him to do well. You talked about him being fiery. Um... With Valimaki, that can work in both ways, in my opinion, because there was that incident that he did have after he got sent down to the AHL where he just kind of blew up. Um, like, obviously, that comes from passion. That comes from him wanting to be better. But there's a line when it comes to that. Um, and he did cross that line, and the organization, I know, was not happy with that at all. Um, and ever since then, we haven't really heard much about him. So... He's got to find a way to get that passion back and the fire in his game, but he's also got to find a way to contain himself and show that he is a mature NHL level defenseman. You know, Noah, you hit the nail on the head. The maturity is the key, right? Um, you know, if you're going to be an NHL guy, you've got to you've got to be good with the team. You've got to be able to control your emotions, right? Like you've got to know where the line is and stay on the right side of it. The other problem is, you know, you, you also have to be good on the ice, right? You've got to be better on the ice than everyone else when the Flames sent down Shillington a couple of years ago um they sent him down for a couple of games and he was a point per game guy and the expectation was with Valimaki that he would go down to the AHL he'd be a point per game guy he'd get a whole ton of mojo get a whole ton of confidence and they'd be able to send him back up and the problem was not only was he not that he was playing third pairing in Stockton um and he was playing third pairing alongside guys like Ilya Solovyov and um uh, Johannes Shinval and like it, it just like he couldn't crack his way into the top four in Stockton. And like, you know, with due respect to Nick D. Simone and, um, and 
you know, that kind of class of AHL defenseman, he's a former first round pick. He should have been able to do that. He should have been playing top pairing, should have been playing top power play. Just wasn't happening for him, right? Like, so like when you when you see the type of the type of challenge that he was going through playing in Stockton being sent down, the expectation was he'd be able to elevate. Just just didn't happen last season. And that's honestly a bit of a shame. Yeah, like it's it's really tough to to see where he could go from here. I mean, obviously value isn't high, like we talked about. Um I would just like for him to start off the year strong down in Stockton and just keep clawing his way back, whether it's be to make a NHL spot on the flames or just to increase his trade value a little bit and look for maybe a package involving him at the deadline. Yeah. You know, it's um, like, I think the big X factor for the flames is on the wings right now. Like their center depth is phenomenal, right? Like you got Lindholm, Kadri, Backlund, just top three. Like how do you beat that? Right. Like it's probably the best in the league. The defensive yeah. depth is insane, right? Like that top four is ridiculous. Their goaltending is, is amazing. Like, you know, you put Markstrom against pretty well anyone in the league and, you know, he can hold his own. Vladar is an excellent backup. Like, as far as backup school who will play, like, 20 games a year, you probably wouldn't want much much more, right? The no, question absolutely. comes on the wing, right? Like, you've got Hubert on the one side, you've got Mang on the left as well. And then you've got Toffoli, who is, you know, 20-goal guy who's fine. Uh, you've got Coleman, who's a really good two-way guy, but he's probably a second, third-line guy. What else do you have there, right? You got Dubé, who is like you know needs to take a step forward uh, absolutely. and absolutely can. You probably have a spot for a guy like a Jacob Peltier or a um, or Cole Schwint or somebody else. And then you got your fourth line, which is your fourth line. But that's the area where I think there's a question mark. Where if the Flames can package someone like Valimaki or package a prospect or package a pick to add value there, that'd be huge. Yeah, I think that's what the team would need to take the next step. Um towards the Stanley Cup. Like you said, the wings is where the question mark is. A lot of people do say that the Flames are good enough this year, that they do have enough depth on the wings. But I do think as well that we need to add one more goal scorer, uh, just another big name, big guy to play off that right wing. 100%. Couldn't agree with you more on that one. I think it was written in The Athletic the other day saying that Bradshaw Living is still in the market looking at forwards. So in the past would be like, oh yeah, we're in on it and then nothing happens. But with the way that the summer's gone, I mean, I wouldn't exactly be shocked if he actually wasn't done. So um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, our own James Johnson from the wind column had a, had a tweet the other day about the free agents that are still available. And Sonny Milano is still one of those free agents that's available and may not be a bad fit for the Flames. Absolutely. Me and Raja have talked about him uh, quite a bit. Him and Evan Rodriguez, we were pretty high on. Uh, we would love to see Brad pull the trigger on Sonny Milano. Uh, I think he'd fit in perfectly here. I think his style of play fits a Daryl Sutter system. And I, I really don't see much downside with uh, giving him a contract here in Calgary. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he'd be a really, really good fit with the team. I think then it becomes a question of, well, now you've signed Sonny Milano. Uh, do you have room to bring up a Jacob Peltier right now? Do you have room to bring up a Cole Schwint right now? Maybe, maybe not. Right. And then the other question which we're not talking about enough right now is this is probably Matt Coronado's last year in um, in the NCAA. He probably signed the end of his second season. Probably puts up a huge season if all goes well. Um, and you probably look at, you know, end of middle of April, end of April when a season is done, if Harvard doesn't make it far in the Frozen Four, do you bring him to the NHL? Where does he slot in, right? True. And like, yeah. maybe, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Maybe you send him down to Stockton for the end of the year and you call him up in the playoffs or whatever as a black ace or, you know, you play him a couple of games here and there. Um, 
but do you have room for him at all, right? Like if you keep adding really, really good depth players like Asani Milano, you've got, you know, a ton of depth already. What happens now? No, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I uh, I guess I didn't really think that one <laughs> through too much. But yeah, um, it, it's all going to come down to how the Flames, I think, are looking in the standings around the trade deadline uh, to see if they're going to go towards a prospect or if they're going to bulk up for a playoff push kind of thing. There's still so much up, like, up in the air, right? We'll see how Matt Coronado does at Harvard this year. We'll see how Harvard does. Um, there's so many moving factors to hockey and that's why I love it. I mean, that's the whole fun of it. That's why we, uh, that's why we follow it as closely as we do. Right. It's the, it's yes. the intricacies of it. It's the, it's the intrigue of what could happen. How good could the flames be? How good could this prospect be? Right. It's right. the ceilings Absolutely. that are more fun than the floors. And I would say like timeline for Coronado, like we're, we're talking like late March. Like if, if you're going to mimic, I guess, or try and replicate the path that Cole Caulfield took, like Caulfield signed late March in 2021. And I'm not saying that obviously Harvard would go as far as the Wisconsin Badgers did at that time, but so it could be a little bit of an earlier time frame. but that's usually the ballpark. 100%. Yeah. Harvard's a, Harvard's going to be a good team this year. And, you know, they've always historically been a very good side. Um, so it'll be, you know, I, I really hope they make the uh, they make the Frozen Four. Hope they don't face up against someone real tough in the first round, like all the Flames prospects did last year. Yeah, um, because that was just awful, right? Like, uh, and the Frozen Four is one of those tournaments where it's one and done, right? You lose a game, you're done. Um, and like that's the that's the fun of it, but also it just you know you don't get the chance to improve game over game and hope for a seven game series you can kind of pull something out. Yeah, with that one game series, it's not always the best team that wins, right? It's a uh, it's a team who played better that night. But like people always say, a seven game series, the best team is going to win it. One game series, three game series, five game series, all of that isn't true all the time. So exactly, and you know what? Like I, I think Harvard's going to be a going to be a real tough team to tough team to beat in, in the Eastern side. Um, and they're they're going to be a, like you know I think Coronado is going to get a chance to really elevate his game this year. Point per game last season, playing mostly second line for Harvard, uh, playing ton of penalty kill. He actually started the season on the first on the second power play, not the first, and um, still end up with a point per game. Like you know, I think this is going to be a big year for him, and I I really hope it is uh, that he can just kind of seamlessly slide right into the flames going to the playoffs next year. Absolutely, he's going to step into a much bigger role this year and. I hope he's ready for it and prepared for it. I mean, a point per game playing on the second line, second power play, that's that's pretty hard to do. Um, so with an increased role, who knows what his point totals could look like at the end of the year. Absolutely. You know, I think what's really interesting about Coronado is um, you've got, um, you kind of fit a, the, you've kind of seen the Flames mold uh, of what they like in a player. Obviously love offensive talent, obviously love, you know, guys who can score goals and, you know, can put up points. The Flames have never picked the biggest guy on the ice. Like, you know, Coronado's not a big guy. Zeri's not a huge guy. is not a huge guy. Um, but the one thing that really stands out for all three of them is how good they are in their own zone and their two-way play. Coronado played top penalty kill for Harvard all year. Uh, is a really good two-way guy. Zeri, they've molded into being a really, two, uh, really good two-way guy. Even even when he was down in Kamloops, the same sort of thing. Um, there's a very clear mold of what Brad Shelley likes in his first round picks. And Coronado just looks like another one that has even more offensive upside than everyone else. He's so exciting to watch. 
He's also bulked up quite a bit too since his draft day. Like, oh yeah, he's yeah. huge. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's he's not a tall man, but he's a big man, right? He's he's bulked up for sure. Can we talk about Cole Jordan? Sure. I really like Cole Jordan. Um, so the one, the other defenseman that really stood out to me um, at uh, in last night's game was Cole Jordan, and he's kind of been one of the guys who's flown completely under the radar because he's been so. Uh, he was injured for most of the year last year. He was out for, it, it's been undisclosed, but it looks like an illness uh, and a long-term illness, which was awful. And then when he was back, he was playing Mooshaw on a very, very deep defensive team. And just like, he looked like the type of guy who just needed a summer off. And he was quite good last night. Like he was, um, he was playing on the second pairing with uh, Jan Kuznetsov, who was also excellent. And I'll get to him in a second. Uh, but Cole Jordan, like his passing is what is always stood out to me as being a hallmark of his game. He's a really, really good playmaker. Um, and I think like coming back where he'll hopefully be healthy all year will be huge for his game and his development. He's one of those prospects that's like very clearly needs a couple of years, but has a whole ton of potential. Um, former fifth round pick a couple of years back, um, but sneakily one of the better picks from that draft year. And I, I think he's got a lot to show and he really, really did show that. Um, he was playing alongside Jan Kuznetsov, who was also excellent. And the thing about Kuznetsov that like you see a lot in the Klapka's game is like he uses his size to his advantage. Like he's enormous, just like Klapka, um, albeit a little bit smaller. Um, but he's not afraid to throw his size around to keep guys out of the front of the net. His defensive game has always been exceptional. Um, but when he's playing alongside Por- when he was playing alongside Poirier in the Memorial Cup, rather. Um, his ability to elevate his offensive game was really good. I think he ended with about a half point per game in the queue last year, uh, which is way, way more um, than he ever had when he was playing the NCAA. And right. it was cool to see him like actually taking shots and actually like, you know, uh, moving up in the play to, you know, towards the slot, towards the top of the dot and taking that shot. And, you know, he's got a hell of a clapper on him um, and just going in. Um, historically, when you'd watch him play, the minute... It, like even before the other team got the puck, the minute it looked like they were going to get the puck, he was already at the red line. Like he was super defensive, and like that's great because like you know you'd never beat him on a on a on an odd man rush or anything. He was always back, but it's nice to see him being a little bit more uh, risky in the way that he plays and really taking some chances. And that was a product of just like the growth that he had in St. John last year, and I think that's awesome for the Flames. Definitely. And it's, it's nice to have a guy like that, that you can pair with an offensive defenseman that's going to elevate his game, elevate his offensive game, but also he still has that peace of mind and in the right mind space that he knows he needs to be kind of the more shut down defensive guy to let his blue line mate do what he can with the puck. Absolutely. And that's always been his role. He's always known his role. He's, he's good at playing his role and being like, you know, being where he needs to be. Uh, but it's nice to see him taking those chances a little more and like pushing the offensive envelope a little bit because he's always been very risk averse that way. Um, it, I think it's harder to teach a defenseman to play defense than it is to teach them how to play offense because defense, like it's just like it's position, it's, it's backward skating, it's knowing how to use your body, using your stick, and like doing so without taking a penalty is so important. Um, Absolutely. The offensive side just kind of came this year and it was really, really cool to see. Um, it'll be fun to watch him down in down in uh, in the Wrangler system this year to see how he does. I guess another prospect to just really quickly touch on Jack Beck. Like that kid went through hell last year. Um, yeah. Like, I thought he looked decent last night, all things considered. 
you know what? All things considered, it's uh, it's a minor miracle that's still on the ice after having his basically his kidney sliced in half um, and some internal bleeding going on. Like it's just it's insane. Like this the saga that that guy went through last year was absolutely nuts. And like you know he was good. He wasn't particularly a standout anyway. Like he wasn't in, in the scrimmage where he was exceptional. Uh, but he was good. You know, it's one game. I don't take too much stock in it. Um, I expect a lot more from him going forward. Uh, but he was, you know, he finished second on his team last year in points after missing 20 games or 25 games of the 66. Um, missed months and months and months of game time, uh, but still came back and had 40 plus points was, uh, you know, one of the better players for uh, for Ottawa in their uh, in their very short playoffs last year. Um is probably going to be among the best players in the OHL if he can stay healthy this year. Like he is an exceptional, exceptional talent. Uh, the one thing I love about his game as well is he's such a good forechecker. Um, he has no no compunction about being in the offensive zone and challenging defenders for the puck, and he wins them more often than he doesn't, which is really really cool to see. Um, one of the prospects to really get excited about who won't be in Stockton in uh, pardon me in Calgary with the Wranglers this year, but is exceptional, exceptional to watch. I think the biggest thing for us, I guess, this season is whenever we're talking about prospects, trying so hard not to be like, oh, yeah, they're, they're having a great year down in Stockton. It's just it's, it's been such an easy ring for so many years now. It's going to be, yeah. to be like, oh, yeah, he's with the Wranglers. Um, you know, they're here. Um, <laughs> just it's going to be kind of kind of awkward. I guess not saying down in Stockton um, this season. Big time. That's going to be a big adjustment for all of us. It, it will um, be, but it'll be so nice to have them. You know, season tickets are on sale now, and like, tickets are like it's it's starting to become real, which is awesome for the team. I'm I'm very excited for the Wranglers to be here. I know that I'm going to definitely make it out to as many of those games as possible. Just to, I've never like really been able to watch too much of the Flames prospects play. Right, like I've I've obviously done my research on them. I've looked at their stats. I've looked at their analytics but I've never actually really gotten a good chance to just sit down and watch these guys play. So I'm very excited to be in the dome, uh, cheering on the Wranglers, watching these guys. Uh, I think it's going to be awesome for the organization, the city fans, everybody involved. hundred percent. You know, it'll be so nice to see the, uh, see the team play here. Um, and you know, I think it gives you more impetus to be engaged in the team beyond just what's happening on the ice in Calgary. Uh, with the flames. Like, I think it's, it's awesome to say, look, these guys are here. I can go watch my, like the guys who are coming up in the system for next year. There's a lot to watch for this year. Um, you know, the guys we haven't talked about, even like Rory Karens and uh, Ilya Nikolaev are going to be, you know, huge pieces, both coming off enormous years last year. Um, going to be ready to take an, an, a step forward into the AHL. Um, and, you know, seeing how they do relative to everyone else is going to be a lot of fun. I think. Thank you for coming on Khaled. This was great. For sure. Thanks for having me on, boys. Yeah, appreciate it. All good. If you guys like No and I's content, feel free to like, comment, subscribe, tell your friends. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody.